When the cage door closes, chaos is king. It's the warriors that can master their minds and bodies in the madness that will claim the glory of victory over the lessons of defeat. We are back straight off the back of Frankfurt Octagon 36. This is Octagon Hype. So once again, welcome, welcome, welcome to Octagon Hype episode 8. I am Brian Lacey and there... The man in the corner once again, Josh Goodgen, mate. Hello. It's exciting. You've just you've just experienced. Just got week. off the plane, literally off the plane, Uber straight here to your basement, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> your basement. <laughs> Very Jeffrey Dahmer, this place. Oh, but wow. listen, listen, we are back. Octagon uh, thirty six. You should have been there, mate. I know. You should. I was sat there, and I even got messages saying, "Where? Where's Josh?" Where's Josh? Uh, and I don't know where you were, mate. Having to look after some small human that you've procreated with your partner, right? That's it. You know the the drill, mate. We've both got a daughter each, and uh, unfortunately, it was I had to look after her this weekend, and I wasn't there. And when I was watching the uh, the fights online, and I saw you cut to the commentary, and I looked over your shoulder, and I thought. That's should be there, seat. right? That's my should seat. Should be there. Should be there. That's scary that you should always be behind me. You should always keep <laughs> you there in your box. Um, but let's let, let's talk. We're going to look forward to this event. What what a night it was. Octagon 36. We returned to the Fest Hall in Frankfurt. Um, and today we're going to break it down for you. We're going to talk through some of the fights, some of the big moments within that. Some drama, some love, uh, all the ingredients for a fantastic evening. And then we will also talk to Frankfurt's own T-800, Germany's Terminator. Stefan puts the fights. My goodness, the fights, Josh. The fights, the backdrop, the atmosphere. Once again, this beautiful building, the Fest Hall, opened its doors, opened its arms for Octagon. And it felt, I don't know if it came across on the screen, but it felt like an even warmer welcome than our first time, Josh. I mean, we, we spoke about this uh, off air and how beautiful that arena is. And I mean, what was it like for you going into into there you know because i remember what we're like in bruno and that's a that was a really nice arena when you when you got in there but you look at like this place like i can only imagine the, the aesthetics the acoustics like yeah. what was it like it's it, it, it it's epic it's, it's the adjective i'd use because i even though i've been there before last time i commentated with frank frank may it was up in the rafters we were right at the back this time we walked in straight cage side the whole night cage side for the seven and a half hours we were there calling the fights and the action and right from the start the energy was there I got there early so I got to see fighters walk in and I loved that moment where fighters who especially if they've never been to an octagon event before suddenly realize the size of it the scope of it the the level of production on top of the, the the you know just the atmosphere the venue itself lends as a backdrop to what will be an epic night of fights and then you look at the fight cards you look at the card octagon put together for this the matchmaking was unreal right from the the, the free prelim all the way through to that main event the one with the story behind it Eklin's revenge the rematch between him and de Oliveira the ingredients were all there and there's a bit when do you know when there's so much expectation that something doesn't reach it? You kind of yeah. expect too much from a moment and then it doesn't deliver. That was pretty much my fear that we tasted Octagon 33, the first visit to Frankfurt, and nothing could follow it. Yeah. It was could, epic, Josh. Yeah. Well, uh, was it a case of could lightning strike twice? Yeah. 
And it did. God damn did, Josh. It really did. I mean, uh, one thing Octagon do is they do these free prelims. And, and I kind of got a sense for how good this card was by how good that free prelim that they put on. They put it on their Octagon MMA YouTube channel. It goes out. The idea is it whets your appetite. It draws you in so you buy the pay-per-view. And if this fight didn't want to make you buy the pay-per-view, I don't know what would. Bannock versus Cordero. Germany's Cordero versus Czech Republic's Bannock. Bannock coming in on a three-fight win streak, stepping up a weight class uh, to take on Cordero, the undefeated German. They went to war in the first first round. Back and forth, Cordero got dropped. Everybody thought Bannock would, you know, walk through him from that moment. Cordero made it a gutsy fight, a real gritty first five minutes. I looked at Brad after the first first few exchanges and his face, that said it all. He was like, he was in. There's not no warming up. We were straight into all action. Then the second round came. Then Cordero switched up the game plan a little. It was clever. The tactics went for the low calf kick, threw it twice. The second one dropped Bannock. And then he threw this kick, Josh. He threw this kick, which... If it had been thrown, and I'm not even talking a millisecond, a nanosecond later, that would have been a legal strike because Bannock is coming off the, the mat, is, is basically fingertips touching the mat, and Cordero just connected with the nose. And unfortunately, that led to a DQ loss to him and a win to Bannock. Neither of them would have wanted it like that. Nobody wants to lose. Nobody wants to win like that, more to the point. But they've got to re-sign that fight. Yeah, I mean, you've got to sign it. And, and it's one of those things, I guess, that as part of this process of Octagon Hype and educating, you know, fans like us, um, you know, it's, it's a tactic used by fighters to have a point of contact on the ground so that yeah. the, Play the game almost, so the head right? strikes can, yeah. you know, so it, it limits the game of the, of, the, of the opponent. This wasn't the case, you know, it, it went down, it was getting back up. And as you said, like you're talking, if it had clipped his nails a bit further, you know, it had been the most epic highlight finish you've you, you know you're likely to ever see and come back exactly he was knocked yeah. down in that first round so he was disappointed Bannock was too uh so i hope they re-sign that it would be a fantastic in fact if, they, if that was the free prelim for every fight card they ever do uh, the pay-per-view numbers would fly through yeah. the roof i'm sure uh, then we had a history making bout two ladies stepping into the cage for the first time on german soil for octagon mma katharina delista from frankfurt taking on uh, mallory martin from the usa from colorado uh, and Delista was in the audience at Octagon 33. She said to me, I sat there, I felt the energy and I, whatever it took, I had to be on this card. Now, they signed her against Mallory Martin, Invicta veteran, UFC veteran, came through on Dana White's uh, contender series. A lot more experience uh, against higher, arguably higher competition. Delista was phenomenal. She controlled the range. She used her footwork, but... Most importantly, she had the most significant strikes. We're talking about young ladies that are 115 pounds, 52.2 kilograms. I eat that for breakfast, Josh. <laughs> That's my Weetabix, my bacon sandwich, and whatever else Mrs. Lacey decides to make me in the morning. Um, that is nothing. That straw weight is such yeah. a small weight. Listen to the power on these straight left hands. Santa said, nice. Oh! <laughs> And that translated to the pay-per-view as well. Could you I hear must that? Say, yeah, like... Oh my goodness. It was great. And, and for somebody that small, and it wasn't just once, you listen to both and listen to the crack. Listen to it. That's... Frightening. Frightening. Yeah. Frightening. But 
She dreamt of fighting in the hall, in the fest hall at Octagon 33. That dream came true. She elevated it with a clinical performance and a victory over somebody who was the firm favourite coming into that fight. Dreams are made of that, right, Josh? It's just, a, it's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story for women's MMA, for Octagon, and then for her to be the hometown fighter, to think of it, to go out there, put on a performance, win in front of a crowd. Like, you, you couldn't ask for much. You couldn't ask for a better story. No, you couldn't ask for a better story and you couldn't ask for a better return to Octagon than from this man, Alexander Ironside Popek. I mean, look at him, Josh. He is a, a monster. He looks like a Viking. That's why he gets the nickname Ironside. He looks like Bjorn Ironside from Vikings. And he was coming up against a very unique character in Nurman Haider Passage. Now, he's from Sweden, boxing champion over there. 23-7 and seven is his boxing record. 4-0 and oh is his MMA record, undefeated as a as a light heavyweight and heavyweight in uh, mixed martial arts. However, Josh, this this is his warm-up. This is what he did just before the fight. It's a questionable warm-up. I mean, I don't know if he's... Uh, has he heard of Google? I think we I think we understand that. <laughs> what cigarettes? Really, yeah, maybe. Like, and I think Popek actually took like a bit of an umbrage to it because he... Um, he said to the promoters, he said he saw that and he was, it kind of made him a little bit angry. Like, who smokes before you come and fight me? Who has a cigarette? And I'm guessing it was nerves. I'm guessing it was, uh, you know, whatever he does. He's, he's known as a bit of a, a wildcat, a bit of a bad boy over there in Sweden. But Popek, he came out with a clinical performance. The leg kicks, the long weapons he used to control the distance, a spinning back fist into the clinch to get it to the mat and then on the mat, put a beat down on Nerman Haider Passage to re-announce himself here in Octagon and then the roar on the top of the cage. The roar, absolutely beast-like from this giant of uh, the light heavyweight division. Yeah, I mean, that is not a guy that you want to get upset. No. And as a terrifying as a fighter, it, 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 as... As terrifying as a fight it was, when he jumped on the cage and he's screaming, can you give us a demonstration? Uh, <laughs> 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 Not the same. <laughs> I don't know. I think something popped. Are you all right there? That right? So I what, think I need what? a cigarette with no man behind the passage after that. What Brian did, but scarier. <laughs> is, man, that's If you chills. put us side by side, you could barely tell the difference. Don't know what you're laughing at, Josh. <laughs> Don't know what you're laughing at. But look, he won that fight. He re-announced himself. And, and the interesting thing is, Octagon announced we're coming to Munich. He is the owner of Munich top team. He fights out of that city and now he has pretty much put himself in front, in the front, on the front of the line uh, to be signed for that card. So let's take a little look at the promo they dropped for Octagon Munich next year. The German mission of Octagon MMA continues. After selling out two events in Frankfurt and setting a record for MMA tournament attendance, Octagon is going to the next city. The metropolis of Bavaria, Munich, and into the local Audi Dome. Time, we won't miss out on seeing the biggest stars of Octagon MMA. Elite fighters from Germany. And young talents from all over Europe. February 11th, 
Audi Dome Munich. Tickets are on sale at ticketmaster.de. There you go. There you go. The mission continues. I've got goosebumps. I've got goosebumps. <laughs> Put it in your diary, February 11th, 2023. And Popek, with that victory, uh, announced himself as ready for that card. Then he does this. He calls out Martin Zavada. Zavada, uh, a legend of, of uh, MMA in, in Germany. They were supposed to fight before. It fell through for some reason. I don't know why, but it, that, that fight came off. Very respectfully, Popek, uh called out Zavada. Zavada was commentating for the German team. Um, so he stepped in the cage and graciously accepted. This is somebody who retired after his last fight. Retired, retired. Um, but he said, yep, yeah, we can talk to Octagon. Munich sounds good. That's enough time for me. Congratulations on your win. See you February 11th. Whoa. Wow. There you go. Um, so we had a return uh, to Octagon for Popek. We had a return to the cage for this man. This guy, John the Hitman Hathaway, the story before this fight card on everybody's lips, the one that we had the pleasure of telling in our little mini documentary that we made about this guy, the return of John Hathaway, eight years out of fighting, eight years out of competing in the cage, eight years of fighting his own body, eight years of going through physical and mental hell to get himself back in there. Josh, he walked out like he hadn't missed a beat. He looks so relaxed, unnervingly relaxed for me. Not, you know, stressed or tense, not even overexcited about that walk. But it was like we we hadn't missed a day of John Hathaway. The fighting style was exactly the same. That aggressive grappling, high damage, you know, imposing himself from the very start all the way through the fight. An epic story with a fairy tale ending, Josh. Yeah, I mean, as you say, when it was when he was making the walk, obviously we'd we'd shot the mini documentary and we'd spoke about him on the last hype. And you know, truth be told, we said it, eight years is a long time, but eight years is a long time. Like it's a, it's, it's actually a life it's a lifetime. It's almost dog years. Yeah, it might as well be dog years. It's in dog years, which is like seven to one. You know, and, and how old is he? 35, you know, 35 like, now, th- yeah. so you, you know, you look at that and you go, I don't know if I fancy it. I don't know if I fancy it. And like you said, what a dominant, like he, he, he could have had a week out of the cage and you wouldn't have noticed. It was a dominant performance. And, and that's credit to him and his team to get him that ready. To, to show what he must have gone through after the last two years since the surgery, since he had to go to surgery to, uh, uh, yeah, to, to, to sort of combat his ulcerative colitis. Those three major surgeries, four kilograms of his bowel removed, um, the stoma, the colostomy bag, and then having that internalized as well. That is it's a, it's a horrific amount of major surgery. And then to get back to that sort of physique to start yeah, with. Unreal physique. Unbelievable physique. And then that performance w- w- was was astounding. When I spoke to him and I, I asked him what, what were the bits, you know, what felt new again? What, what, what were the bits that reminded him of what it used to be like? He talked to us on the interview last week about like the weight cut week where his pants didn't fit as well and all that. Um, but then he said the actual weight cut because his body is not the same. He is missing huge amounts of his internal internals, basically yeah. the, the the part of his bowel and some of his intestines. So he said, "I had no idea how my body would react. I let I made sure I didn't have much to cut. I think he cut about a kilo, kilo and a half wow. um, on." 
the, the night before, which is sounds a lot, but it's not. Stefan puts seven and a half kilos. The night, <laughs> that's seven and a half kilos the night before the, the, the fight. Um, but he said, I had no idea whether my body would just say no. Yeah. What, whatever. Then he steps in the cage against Andre Ricardo, another person with UFC um, experience, somebody else who's, you know, fought all around the world, somebody who, and I said it on, on the thing, he's had, John Hathaway had had 17 fights out of his 17 and two record before Ricardo had even had a pro fight. Ricardo had had 16 of his uh, 18 pro fights while John Hathaway was away. And now they meet in the cage. And John Hathaway, you look at the, the takedowns, the way he reaped the leg away, the, the, the cage control, the way he put his weight on his opponent. And we always talk about how nice John Hathaway is. <laughs> we always talk about what a nice person, what a good energy is. It's still a nasty streak in him. When you see this bit, he's against the cage, Josh. He puts his foot on the back leg of Ricardo. Yeah. doesn't just put it on, then starts the stomp. Yeah. Now, this is a, a rule, and I, I did check it with, with Herb Dean. Uh, I've, I literally had a conversation just to say, this happened in the cage. Is it, what's, the, what's the deal with this? If you are a grounded opponent, again, either three points of contact or your knee on the ground, you are not allowed to stomp on them, on any part of their body. The stomp is the, is yeah. the, is the phrase. So that's why that stomp wasn't allowed. But John Hathaway said, oh, I can't stomp on it, but I'm allowed to put my foot on it. I'm allowed to control him with it. And that's what he did. And all the way through the fight, he controlled him. Some big highlight reel takedowns. Almost finished the fight at the end of the second round. Flurry of punches, which uh, you could see really built some damage on Ricardo. And when people talk about like the wrestling style, the grappling style in MMA. A lot of people say it's boring. It's not very effective. You look at the damage. Yeah. You look at the damage on Andre Ricardo at the end of the second round and then at the end of the fight. He is not just getting controlled there. He is getting beaten and battered in that fight. That is a, a decision win for John Hathaway. And you'd argue those 15 minutes in the cage are more valuable than him just going in there and getting a rear naked choke in, in one minute because he got to answer a lot of questions himself. We got to answer a lot of questions for ourselves about his performance, about his level. Um, and again, it's just astounding. It's superhuman what he's been through and how good he looked. And let's look at the stats because you said he barely got touched, right? So the scorecards read 30-26, 30-26, 30-24 for John Hathaway. That might, I asked him and he says, I don't think I've ever had a 30-24 before. That's, that's what he returned like. The stats, 189 punches to six. That is all punches thrown. Significant strikes, 116 landed for Hathaway, two for Ricardo. Yeah. You don't get out any cleaner than that. And Hathaway was upset about even one of those strikes because they had drilled at the start. They said, right, Ricardo with the southpaw stance, um, with, with his striking stance, watch the left hand. He's got a real cheeky left hand. You just, just make sure you avoid that. I think it's in the first five seconds that John Hathaway eats that on, the, on his cheek. And, and he said to me afterwards, he was like, he hit me. I was like, you, you, hit, him, <laughs> you hit him 116 times. He hit you twice and you're angry about it. He was like, yeah, but it's the one punch we knew was coming and I let him hit me with it. And it, So that says again, like where his brain is at, right? The fact that after a victory like that, after walking from eight years from being away from the cage, he's still in his head going, ah, oh, the guy hit me. 
that goes to show though, doesn't it? That goes to show at the level that he's at, like he wants to be perfect and that's the sign of a champion, isn't it? Well, so. we shall see because hopefully, hopefully we'll see him back in there fairly soon. He's going to take a little bit of time away. He's got some teammates he wants to help prepare for their fights as well. But yeah, just to have witnessed it and seen it and called it was an absolute honour. So I uh, hope you enjoyed that. If you haven't seen that fight, you can go and watch it in its in its entirety back, octagon.tv forward slash en. Click on that uh, Octagon 36 and check it out just for that fight alone, for that fight alone and for this fight as well. Youngworth versus Kurtish, the first rematch, the opening bout on Octagon 36 main card. This is a rematch from Octagon 21. Now, I talked to you last week, Josh, about a man that can change the atmosphere of an arena. Christian Youngworth had his first fight in Germany for a very long time, back at Octagon 33. He has become a star in the Czech Republic and Slovakia with his fighting style in Octagon, with his performances, uh, just with his warrior spirit. In his fight, Octagon 33, we gave you it last week, the bloody baptism of fire that he gave to Trushik. Within that one fight, Germany has embraced him because hearing the difference in his welcome from Octagon 33 to Octagon 36 makes me realise that uh, Germany has recognised exactly what type of fighter Jungworth is from the moment he walks out. The moment he walks out, the energy just rises. It changes. The air becomes you know, full, electrified for this man. He storms out, intent on claiming revenge from the, the split decision loss he got at Octagon 21 against Mate Kurtish to now prove that he's the better fighter against somebody that he's watched parallel to him climb the ranks in this welterweight division. Kurtish came out into hostile territory, little wry smile in his face, and he said to me, um, yeah, he believes Jungworth has got better. He said, I've got better. And he said, where I think I will control this fight is the grappling. I've been over to AKA. I've, I've been learning of Habib Namagomedov, Um Namagomedov. I've been sparring with the likes of Luke Rockhold. I, I'm ready for this. I will show how far I've come and then he'll understand. Youngworth was outstanding. His takedown defense was brilliant. Kurtesh was still technical and still aggressive. But Youngworth, you could see how much effort he had put into fixing that hole in his game. He recognised the part of the game he had to work on the most and he put the most effort into it, which is the miserable part. That's He can go and he can stand and bang and do 20 rounds of stand-up with any man on the planet, but wrestling and grappling is something different. And Youngworth, you could see the fruits of that labour. He was able to stuff the takedowns. He did get taken down, but was able to get straight back up. That then, as the fight progressed turned it into more of a Youngworth fight. It turned into a dogfight. He started to bring the pressure. He started to up the um, the output, getting right in the face of Kurtesh. In the second round, it looked like Youngworth was in the ascendancy. Kurtesh is still super dangerous though. Kurtesh caught him with a 1-1-2, two, two short jabs in the right hand, which put Youngworth on his butt. The most significant strike of that round. Maybe the strike that stole that round for him as far as the judges' scorecards. But then third round, Youngworth came again. There's a point where Kurtesh comes running at him, Josh, comes running at him. And he doesn't just avoid the takedown. He throws him to the other side yeah. of the cage. You see him like a matador, claim the ball and throw it to one side. Then he just brings the pressure, all the pressure, to the point where we get to the end of the fight and the crowd are on their feet and they think it's in the bag. Youngworth has claimed victory. 
The judges, though, the judges saw it the other way, went to the judges' scorecard, and they all scored it the same. So you can't say it's inconsistent. Unanimous decision, 29 to 28 for Kurtesh. Now, I had to interview Kurtesh after this. And uh, listen, he is uh, a legend. And for that, you, you could easily argue that that is how the score should have gone. Rounds one and two, Kurtesh. Round three, Youngworth. The, the audio does not do what was going on in the arena justice. Because I try, I was stood this close to Kurtesh and I could barely hear him. I could barely hear him on the, 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 the speakers and I could barely hear him on person because the cacophony of boos and hisses and jeers coming from the crowd was only overridden when Youngworth jumped on the cage to claim cheers and adoration. They, they crowned him the winner of that fight, even though the judges had scored it for Katesh the other way. But whatever you say, whatever you want to say about the fight, about the score, those two delivered one of the most exciting fights, a fight that claimed fight of the night and the bonuses that come with it um, in their rematch. And it's one, Josh, I could watch them. I could watch them go for Youngworth Curtis 3 without a doubt. Yeah, I can believe it as well. What a monologue that was there, off the cuff, <laughs> like a matador. That were amazing to watch. I, I like quite like the adjective cacophony. There you go. That's my favourite. I could not agree with anything you said more right there because, like you said, uh, Youngworth did. In my opinion, I thought he'd won the fight, and like you said, I think the deciding factor was that uh, they got put on his back. You know, um, could but, be one thing, one yeah. one moment of the fight. That's it. But his effort to be able to, like you said, stuff every take that takedown defence were incredible. And then it becomes a dog fight. It becomes his fight. And yeah, when he jumped on the cage afterwards, and you could hear like the crowd go wild. It, but I mean, again, like what a crowd pleaser. It's a bit like the Bruno when we saw Moon and we said there's no losers there. In yeah. my opinion, like as a fan, the fans are the winner, you know, like the, 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 both those guys can take a bow. Um, so, but unfortunately, somebody's got to take an L. And yeah, and, and Youngworth as well, like straight on social media, uh, gave credit to Kurtesh and said, look, I'm ready to go. Let's Let's go again. Let's go again. Whoever it is, whenever it is, I'm ready. That's that's the type of guy he is. So next up, Stefan puts Frankfurt's own Stefan puts took on Milos Petrasek, uh, Carlos Vermola's one of his main training partners. Now, this fight for me, there's so much so much to talk about around it. The Terminator fight, um, Petrasek coming over to Germany to challenge uh, uh, Stefan puts. But what shone through in this fight and in the build-up as well was the experience of Stefan Putz, okay? Because he is 35 years old. He is a 14-time world champion. He's traveled all over the world to claim those titles at heavyweight and light heavyweight. And at the weigh-ins, Josh, at the weigh-ins, um, Stefan Putz came in, right? Petrosek had already weighed, on, weighed in an absolute beast, like physical <laughs> specimen, Milos Petrosek, right? One of the scariest physiques you'll ever see in MMA. Stefan Putz pops in with a, a red hat on, barely balanced on his head like a woolly hat, a, 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 like literally a baggy jumper um, and a dog. <laughs> he brought his dog to the weigh-ins. Now this little dog, Momo, I believe the dog's name is, a beautiful little border collie, stunning, gentle. And Stefan, he's, he's got like five or six different dogs. This is sort of the, 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 the most chilled of all of them. He brings him into the weigh-ins and everybody loves this moment because... It looks great on the photos. It's changed the atmosphere of the weigh-ins, all this stuff. I accepted it for what it was, just Stefan being Stefan. But then I spoke to Stefan afterwards and he, he kind of said to me, he alluded to the fact that he knew Petrashek 
would want a moment where he was in his face, where he kind of, in his mind, sized himself up to be ready for the next night. So he brought the dog to diffuse any of that energy. Disarm. To disarm him. How do you, you know, get all aggressive in front of another guy who's holding a tiny little border collie who's (laughs) looking at you with these beautiful brown eyes? Uh, And that said to me everything about the level Stefan puts his at. Think about that, Josh. It's the games, man. It's the it's it's the fight leading up to the fight, and you win every battle that you can take. The weigh-ins, the stare downs, the social media now. If you can win it, you take it and what a way to do it. Then the next night happens and Petrushek walks out into yeah, hostile territory. And again, this says a lot about Milos Petrushek as well. He wants the challenge. He wanted to challenge himself. He also wanted to take some of the weight, the pressure off being the home star in the Czech Republic. He is massive. He carries an army of fans around with him. And with that comes pressure. So he said, let me fight in Germany. Let me fight somewhere where it's me against somebody, not me and everybody in the arena. That says to me the maturity and the challenges he's willing to take, the places he's willing to put himself in. Stefan Putz, though, walked out and we talked about the Eccolin walkout Octagon 33. This for me is up there. Without a doubt, it is up there. The energy the crowd gave him, the adoration, just the volume, the pure volume that they raised that fest hall to for this guy is ridiculous. And it's said to me, we've grown since Octagon 33. Putz has grown since Octagon 33 in the eyes of the fans. And he went in there with the perfect game plan. He went in there, applied his grappling, applied his pressure. He cut uh, Petrushek earlier, cut over the left eye. They were doused in each other's blood. But the thing that throughout the fight rang through or was the through vein of it was his control, his size, his technique. And that led him over three rounds to claim a bloody but brilliant victory, Josh. And that's exactly how you wanted your main event to be, don't you? Again, the fans got exactly what they paid for there. You know, they got all around, back and forth, and then a dominant, well, like a dominant performance by their star, you know? And Petrashek as well, no quit. He literally kept going. Those points where they had to help him back to the stool in between rounds, and he still stood up. He still came out. He still stared down Stefan Putz. But Putz put on the perfect performance to claim that victory. So... Putz is covered in blood. He is victorious. Um, He's in his post-fight speech and then he gives us a beautiful moment where he proposes to his long-term girlfriend in the cage, Josh, fresh from battle, covered in the scars of his victory, covered in the blood of him and probably quite a lot from Milos Petrushek. And and his his now fiancé is beautiful she is dressed in these mma spirit she's got the hat on and these long mma spirits it says a lot she's got mma spirit long boots on in this beautiful dress and he, he proposes to her and this tells me how much she loves him josh because all that on his face she kisses him in the cage and there's a beautiful photo where they turn and he's smiling well you think he's smiling because his face is all over the place but she looks at the camera and she's got blood here she's got blood here she's got blood here so most people would like you know the empire state building uh, paris um the brooklyn bridge a mountain in sweden for their backdrop for their proposal stefan puts the one and only stefan puts does it like that 
I mean, they broke the mold when they met him, didn't they? And what, a, like you say, what a moment, what a time to do it. And again, the unsung heroes of Octagon MMA, the wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, the ones that are supporting these athletes. And you've got to love them. You've got to love them to go through the weight cuts, to watch them go to war like that. Yeah. I mean, what a beautiful night for them both. What a beautiful night. And uh, and again, Frankfurt and Octagon, grateful that they shared it with us. So that's Stefan Putz. Then we moved up to the big boys. The big boys, the heavyweight division, the co-main event, Hatif, Boss Moel took on Jeremy Kimball. Now, Kimball is somebody, I always say this, never judge a book by its cover. Like, he, he might not have the athletic frame of a Milos Petrashek, but he's beaten Petrashek twice. He might not, you know... At first glance, you think, oh, he's, he's probably only going to be good at striking. The guy can grapple. His takedown defense is excellent. He proved that in the first round against Hatif Boss Moel. But Boss Moel, there is something scary in this guy, right? This 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 guy, at the weigh-ins, we saw at the face-offs, he got really emotional, tried to get in the face of Kimball. And in fact, his coach has said, if you hadn't separated them and one punch or one bit of contact had happened, that you wouldn't have stopped you wouldn't have stopped him. You would have needed an army of men to stop him having the fight there and there and then at the weigh-ins. And when I talk about something inside him, there's also two bullets inside this guy, Josh. Two bullets. He used to be a doorman. He's been stabbed once on the door and once he got shot, I believe it's in the leg, and they couldn't remove the bullet. So he's 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 this... This, what? He's just carved what? from something different. And I, I, even when they shot him, I bet you he still beat the crap out of the people that did it. And he still carries that. So there's something inside this guy. And in the first round, Kimball does well. He, he stuffs the takedowns. His counters are great. He starts to frust frustrate Moel. Moel goes back to the corner. He can be emotional. And I, I almost said in the, the broadcast, where I did say they probably have to contain that energy because it can be a blessing and a curse it can be to his detriment being over emotional, be having that animal inside. But he released it in round two. Round two, he came out, took Kimball down, put a beat on, huge cut over Kimball's nose, which in the end led to him being able to get the TKO stoppage. And now, Hatif Boss Moel will be the first half of the fighters that will compete for that vacant heavyweight title. Whoever is in the, the whoever comes next, right? You've got a problem in Boss Moel. He's, heavyweights is like petrifying just ter you can't imagine the size of these humans and and again human athletes you know those knees to finish the tko finish like can you brian can you imagine Not what that all. felt like no and i would do everything in my power never to feel anything <laughs> like that ever ever because uh and again like you're watching it on the screen i was there at the weigh-ins you just you, you are in awe of the size of these guys. And Moel put on that performance, has claimed his spot and potentially could claim Germany's first ever world title for Octagon MMA. Main event time, Josh. Main event time. The rematch, De Oliveira versus Eklund. The story had already laid itself out the last fight. Octagon 33. De Oliveira believes that, that victory was taken away from him because he feels Eklund cheated. He feels like he, he finished him. He doesn't feel like it was a cup kick, the first kick. He feels like it was a legitimate liver shot. And that saw him lose the fight in that first outing. That saw him lose it. Then, 10 days later, the German Federation, the Mixed Martial Arts Federation, rescind that victory from Eckelin. Take it away from him. They say that that is, that is a legal shot, not a cup kick. And he will basically lose that. It's a no contest. 
Uh, the backlash was huge in the press, in the media, on his social media, directly to him, to his family, to his teammates. So then Eckling called for this fight back, called for the rematch, the revenge, as they ended up calling it. And it wasn't revenge against De Oliveira. Like I said in the last episode, this was about the people that doubted him, that questioned him, questioned his sportsmanship. To add to it, to up the ante, he asked for five rounds. Five rounds for this fight to take place over. De Oliveira accepted. They went back at it, Octagon 36. Now again, look at De Oliveira walking into this hostile territory. Look at Eklin coming out once again, Frankfurt's hero. This time though, everybody prayed it would just be a clean fight. Everybody prayed that, that whatever the outcome was natural, whether it goes De Oliveira's way or Eklin's way, there is nothing that would put any sort of smear on what could be, you know, a tainted victory yet again for, for one of these fighters. Eckelin's game plan was brilliant. Look to get the back, get the control, take De Oliveira down. And through rounds one and four, he managed to do that pretty much every round. But De Oliveira was dangerous throughout. You look at the look on his face right from the start, all the way through to when he's on the ground, taking a beating, all the way through to coming out for the fourth round. There's a look in his eye, Josh. There is a look in his eye like a, a man possessed, absolutely possessed, that he would like, like he was never mentally broken. When you are going against somebody that is taking you down, taking you back again and again and again, there's a point where it stops being physical. There's a point where it starts being mental, where you can see fighters sort of capitulate under that pressure. De Oliveira never did that. And in fact, in the fourth round, Eklin tried to take down De Oliveira. De Oliveira got back to his feet and Eklund did this huge breath, stepped away and I thought, oh wow, this could be the turning of the tide. This could be one of those fights where somebody is spent. Those, uh, those fourth and fifth rounds Eklund asked for, he might be regretting now because De Oliveira feels like he's growing and Oliveira came forward. And this shows the mark of Eklund though because he was tired Everything he had tried to, to finish and control the Oliveira, he had certainly had the, the best of the fight, but he hadn't been able to break or finish his man. Then he dug deep one more time, got that takedown. This time took the back, back in more open space. From the back, slowly peppered the shots in and watch his left arm. His left arm is loose, right? He's firing the right arm. When he feels the chin of the Oliveira go up, he shoots. He almost punches that left hand through goes palm to palm on the grip, changes it so he's got his legs, his hooks set properly so he can arch his back to get that finish and gets the tap. That tap, everybody held their breath waiting for it. And as soon as it came, the release, the energy, you could feel it in the crowd, but mo most of all, you could feel it in Christian Eklin. What a moment, Josh. What, and what a beautiful fight. And the irony, Eklin took a cup shot, didn't he? And carried That's right. On. Do you know four. what I mean? Like, what, like you, you, you couldn't write these stories. Oh my God. And, and we'd all hoped that that wouldn't be a factor. Round four, that, that happened. So he strikes with a right hand, eats a cup kick up there, and, it's, and it was clean. The noise was there. <laughs> and De Oliveira almost let him off. Yeah, like, yeah. But I think De Oliveira might be more hurt in that. But again, it was one of those moments where we all just went, please no. Please now, and then the chance, Eckerlin, Eck, and we're off again. And this time, Eckerlin gets gets the job done as cleanly as you could, you can. He grabs the mic in the post fight fight speech, and he just says, "That 
if that that should answer any questions, any doubters, sit down, shut up. (laughs) I've done it. I have done it. And you can't argue when you see a performance and a finish like that, right? There's no way you can argue with that. And like you said, what a performance and what a way to finish it. What a way to finish it. The night was spectacular. It was super fun. And yet again, yet again, in just the second time Octagon going to Germany shows just the potential. And somebody who uh, arguably stole the show in Frankfurt, Octagon 36, Stefan Putz, T800. He lived it, he breathed it, and now he's going to talk to you about it right here on Octagon Hype. So the Frankfurt Festhouse, Stefan, the welcome they gave you, that walkout, how did that feel? Were you expecting such a, a, a huge, rapturous welcome as you walked out this, this weekend? Yeah, it was simply amazing. Like last time it was already electrifying. It was crazy atmosphere. Everybody was recording um, the walk in. Everybody wants to shake your hands after taking photos. Um, yeah, it was just um, all overwhelming. It was overwhelming and uh, it was like, um, I only want to fight in Frankfurt. (laughs) (laughs) No, seriously, seriously. I have fought at such a lot of places like uh, from Russia to Prague, um, all over Russia, China. um, But I never, I never had like an atmosphere, crazy atmosphere like this. It was just... Yeah, it was just overwhelming. It was, and I, I never had a, like a walk in like this. Um, as a fighter, as an athlete, what effect does that have on you? What, what? Because you're backstage, you're warming up, then you step into that energy. What, what effect did that have on you before you stepped in the cage? What were the, what were the moments, the thoughts? Did you have to contain the energy? No, of course you feel the energy and uh, people um, scream your name and um, it's like a very good energy. Uh, but I have to say, um, it doesn't matter so much for me. Like I, I fought very often um, as like an underdog somewhere and um, uh, like um, it doesn't affect me so much um, uh, when people are not on your side, but on the other side. But uh, still, it's a very nice support and, yeah, like uh, electrifying atmosphere. And uh, it's something beautiful to, uh, yeah, to witness something like that. It was it was something special to be part of as well. To feel that for you was like Germany has opened its arms and Frankfurt in particular, that you are you are its chosen son. You and Christian Eckelin really are like the kings of Frankfurt, which is yes, something we're lucky. <laughs> yeah <laughs> you've earned it it's not luck you two have earned this without yes, a yes, doubt of course of course yes you earn it but um you always need uh some luck and uh, some um, good moments um that uh, things are going to happen um i want to ask you about the 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 actual fight as well petrashek as an opponent were you surprised that he asked for you were you surprised that carlos vermola wanted his teammate to fight you first no, not at all, not at all. Um, honestly, um, I thought about because um, the the how I recognized Carlos and how I recognized Milos as persons. Um, I think only the sport is connecting them because they're so different, like from their aspects, how they think, how they present themselves. Like sport is connecting them, and of course. Um, 
Carlos used the matchup to do some trash talk, to set up some trash talk. But I was not surprised. Um, I mean, uh, Milos fought also uh, Kimball twice, and he lost the first fight, and he talked also about um, how how bad he felt, how weak he felt um, fighting um, Kimball, and after, he wanted to fight him again. So this uh, simply shows... Um, that he likes to challenge himself, and I really respect that. Um, I mean, it defines you as a person and a character, and also as an athlete, if you ask for hard challenges. And uh, this is what he did, and I respect that. It's a um, good attitude, and it will bring him further. I love that. There was a nice moment with you two sharing it backstage in the dressing room as well, where there was great respect between the two of you. And that was yes. in the cage through three rounds, a bloody war. But your your game plan and your tactics war on Petrashek. It was a perfectly executed game plan against not just the style of Petrashek, but the body type, right? That must have been, you must have been happy with how that played out within the 15 minutes. Yes, for sure. Like I said before, what my plan is for the fight, um, to put the pressure on, I need to make him tired. It's only three rounds. And I knew it will make him tired um, when he wrestles. Because you can see in fights, um, he wrestles, but he avoids wrestling because it makes himself tired. And he knows that. So he he's calculating with his energy level and um, at I know my strength is the conditioning and I can put a lot of pressure in three rounds, 15 minutes and uh, set the pace hard. And that was uh, the key for me for success. But honestly, I asked him after the fight um, and his plans were not at all to wrestle. He just tried to completely avoid wrestling, what I didn't expect. He, he wanted to take mobility with uh, calf kicks, with low kicks, follow up with hands. Um, but we were prepared for every aspect and so I could get the takedowns almost created like a finish in the second round um, yeah I'm very satisfied and uh, of course it's a great work also of my team like how they set how they prepared me and Christian for the fight I think everybody could see like an improvement in all aspects like in the wrestling department um, like the setup for the wrestling department and striking and also like the back take Yes, it's like a, it's a, like a good evolution from fight to fight. And it's great to see at your stage of the career as well that you are making these leaps and bounds because you looked so loose. You started really well. You continued the pressure all the way through. It ended up with you both covered in each other's blood, which as a spectacle <laughs> as outside, I appreciate the blood you spilt, both of you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, with this fight, though, you, you talk about Vimola. Um, using this as a way to sort of promote or to 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 look at the fight potentially between you two. Um, with him, when he was on our show, he he sort of tries to raise the stakes. He said he doesn't want to just put the name on like you said. He wants you to put the purse on as well. Is this something you would do for for the Vermola fight? Would you be willing to put the purse up as, alongside the name? Of course, if Carlos is happy with this, I will do this because I want uh, Carlos to be happy and um, we can also set the purse. But I would recommend to put it as a donation for something. We can, a donation for animal protection, for child, what I, he, he can choose. But in, in speaking of um, like setting stuff and uh, leveling up, 
I would recommend that if he loses, he should unleash his lions and his sharks because he's not holding it uh, like uh, under the right conditions. And I think uh, as a champion, you should be an example and uh, a good example and show people how you really good treat like your environment and animals. And so it would be definitely the right uh, decision to unleash them, to put them to a sanctuary where they can uh, live under right conditions. Wow. So once again, raising the stakes, raising the stakes and yes, leaving it in the leave it, well, that Stefan puts. He also said, because he felt that the, the T, uh, Terminator fight would never happen because he felt his one of his main training partners, what he calls his toughest test in the training room, Petrashek would beat you and he would quite easily beat you. That's what he said on, on this show. Do you think your performance and especially the, the way you handled Petrashek is, is a statement to bounce back to Vermola as well? First of all, I hope he didn't bet all his money. <laughs> and... Uh... <laughs> Yeah, of course, and uh, the, yeah, it it clearly shows what a bad analyst he is, because um, of course he knows I have weak points, but I have also strong points, and um, this was like a complete misanalytic of the fight, and um, yeah, of course I know um, Petrashek is a very good wrestler and very good um, uh, grappler on the ground, but uh, now maybe he understands what kind of pressure I pull, will put on him. Obviously, that fight could still happen. Have you got any idea the sort of timeline or the time frame that that could happen in? Obviously, he's got his fight in December. Where, when we look to try and make it happen? Yes, um, so I, I don't care. I don't care about um, like time or where we fight. Um, yeah, I, I take my time for him. It's no problem. Whenever um, he likes we, to fight, we can fight. <laughs> so we've talked about fighting. Now let's talk about love, Stefan Putz. Let's talk <laughs> about love. Because you gave uh, the whole arena and all the Octagon audience a magical, bloody moment with you and your fiancé after the fight. Uh, yes. And congratulations, congratulations so much, to, to you and, and your future wife, Stefan Putz, because, uh, yeah, I've only met your, your, your fiance now a, a couple of times um, and I've seen you online, the, the life you live together, the team that you are, and it was a beautiful moment, doused in blood, a Stefan Putz engagement, right? Yes, for sure. Like, um, I was un unsure before whether it's like uh, the right place for something like this. But um, I thought like there's always this tension and this um, uh, before in the fight and after this relief of tension. And it's like a beautiful place um, uh, to do something and to share it with fans. And uh, I really liked the idea. So I planned to do it um, uh, this time in Frankfurt because it was sold out and yeah it's also like extra motivation to do like an extra good dominant performance like uh, to create a special moment um uh, yes to ask my future wife to marry her whether um, she wants to marry me 
Well, this this is the other thing when you know it's true love, Stefan. This is when you know it's true love. When you can have a bloody face covered in sweats and whatever else comes with 15 minutes of uh, competing in the cage and she grabs you by the face and she kisses you on that that broken face of yours after a fight. <laughs> that that must be a moment where you know that's truly the one. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I, I mean, uh, it's not easy. Most people don't see this, but um, the people around you uh, in preparation of a fight, they really suffer with you because it's really hard. Um, uh, like all the injuries, you have injuries before, then uh, things don't go as planned. Um, yes, all the stress. It's also positive stress, of course, but they have to take a lot and to support you a lot like because they in in like the inner circuit and um yeah they 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 always um uh, realize how hard is it is sometimes all the training and everything you tired of course it's fun also but for people who don't practice uh, martial arts and not f into fighting it's super hard and yeah and i think it was uh, like a good relief for her also that um, all the stress ended with something very positive. Um, how long have you been together? Can I ask that question? Um, yes, of course. We four years together and um, uh, like uh, Leah is my, she's my girlfriend. She's at the very same time my best friend. We spend so much time together and um, yeah, she's uh, like the perfect person to spend the rest of my life with me. I, I couldn't agree more. And having that moment in front of us as well, it was emotional. It was dramatic. It was beautiful, Stefan. So thank you for sharing you, that with, with, with us in Frankfurt. And once again, congratulations to you both, because I've seen little glimpses of, of you together and, and through <laughs> social media and everything. And uh, yeah, you are, you are perfect together. So congratulations again. Thank you so much, Brian. I want to ask you about as well, just, just maybe one or two more things before I let you go. Um, Christian Eklin. Yes. This, the build-up for this fight was huge. There was yes. so much backlash after the last fight. He talked to me about it and it felt like there was no pressure. I mean, you were obviously he wanted to get the, the, the revenge to reclaim the victory, but he was carrying that weight quite well as far as in the media. Close to him, what effect did that have on him and how much did that motivate him for, for this fight? Yeah, Christian is like a, um, like a perfect athlete. Like he, he knows exactly what it uh, needs to get prepared mentally and physically. He's, he's like very talented and he's a worker at the very same time. Um, we all know um, uh, a talented guy without being a worker is nothing. And he has got both um both gimmicks like that he is working hard and he's very talented and he you you could see it in the fight how many takedowns he take he knows exactly what he do uh, he has to do to win and uh, he was he has like already created like a um, vision of, of what he wanted to do you could see it like he exactly knew what to do he stepped in and he just excelled and Oliveira if you understand where Oliveira comes from and his circumstances in life, this is a real fighter. He gives you a real fight and everybody knows you can be the best um, uh, guy in the gym um, in training and everything, but the fight is different. And he comes on 
under complete different um, uh, circumstances like we live like from poor area and he comes really to fight and he showed that like how often uh, Christian uh, took him down take his back he scrambled up he, he really fought and he gave uh, Christian uh, like a tough fight and Christian managed to finish the fight and to mute all haters uh, an epic moment an epic uh, event definitely definitely it's like a very sovereign work he did yeah and and again like you highlighted against a tough opponent somebody who came there to win not just just to lay over um you were part of that amazing event stefan and from me to you i want to say thank you again um what's as far as where you think german mma is now where you've helped to take it alongside octagon how happy are you with the last 12 months from octagon challenge to the first octagon 33 the first event in frankfurt to now can you see that light at the end of the tunnel for German MMA? Do you think now the platform is really being built? Yeah, hey, it's it's an amazing journey what happened in one year. I mean, the, the first event was in June and now we have October. This are four to five months and it's crazy what happened in that time. Um, uh, like the evolution of MMA sport is uh, ridiculously fast. And I hope it uh, will continue like that. And then we can look in a bright future for all MMA athletes and MMA Germany, of course. And like everybody is pro having a profit of, out of it. Like other organizations doing uh, more, um, more shows here. Like European MMA will grow also. Yeah, it's just nice to be part of that. Stefan puts Tia never change right never change Josh that is a unique uh, human being and we are lucky to have him on the planet and in Octagon MMA right I'm calling it he's my favorite fighter <laughs> hang on a minute I talked to you about Cosmo you're like sign me up get me a wig and a pink t-shirt I talked to you about Patrick Kinsella you went yeah that's my new favorite fighter he's bound to beat Vermola <laughs> I've just done an interview with Stefan puts yeah if I brought someone in here guilty of genocide, would they be your favourite? Listen, mate, you, 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 you do such a good job of like telling us about these fighters, and then I just, I just get bought into it. Listen, in I, December, mate, just you watch December. I'm having pink hair. You're gonna see it, right? <laughs> We uh, and you're my litmus test, Josh. You really are. So if, if you're feeling that, I, I hope you guys are enjoying it too. And again, you can keep up with all the action here. You can keep up with all the action on social media, on our YouTube channel, Octagon UK, and our YouTube channel. And also, uh, just so you know where you can buy these fights and you can tune in, octagon.tv forward slash en. And that's where all you need for all the content for Octagon to continue your own journeys, Josh, into the life and the times of these fighters. Now, speaking of these fighters, uh, I want to share a couple of bits with you from social media before we finish the show. Um, Mateus Cope, this is somebody who I've called out a couple of times as the grill master in, uh, in MMA here. He fought on PML, which is a, a Muay Thai show that is on Octagon.tv that you can check out recently, a couple of weeks ago. This is what happened to his nose, Josh. What? That's 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 from a fight or from that's a car from crash. A, <laughs> did the did a meteor land on his face what? in the night? Um you can see it in the fight with the blood dripping from it, but then you can also follow the journey of the surgeries and the re rehabilitation through his posts. That is one hell of a you don't play fighting, Josh, do you? 
I mean, modern medicine, what a wonderful thing, yeah. Uh, yeah, and uh, uh, it's, it, look at the way they fixed it. So basically, like when you when you sometimes see no surgery, you'll see it fully covered to start with. They basically just stuck a couple of staples <laughs> in it. It looks about as ready to eat as one of his steaks, right? Like, <laughs> they just think, don't they? He's going to do it again, so let's just like bang, bang. Like, right, on your way, son. Well, listen, uh, we, we wish you a speedy recovery. Um, he's set to fight December 30th, Josh. He's set to fight. He's been announced to fight on the December 30th card. So he, he will be ready. He will be stepping back in there. Um, and I did just make a little joke about his cooking, but look at this, mate. He's, 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 he's gone up levels. He's gone up levels. He's gone off the grill, uh, as in the barbecue, and he's gone into the oven. And check out this dish that he makes. Beef on vegetable. It looks looks phenomenal, mate. Absolutely delicious. Absolutely. Honestly, we're proud of you, mate. We are proud of you. Uh, and speaking of pride, um, Lozenkieta. Lozenkieta will now move down to the featherweight division for the first time ever. He's taking on a, a fighter called Villa. Um, going down to 145. Looking 146, I should say. Looking 145, looking for uh, his march towards becoming the champ champ. Um, now, we've seen lots of fighters, including Apollo Silver uh, on the most recent card, uh, Alex Lahore. They have created their own music, their own walkouts. I'm just going to show you, and again, we always highlight the talents of our, our fighters. Uh, another surprising talent the Ozone Cater showed us was this, Josh. Only, only need the light when it's burning low. Yeah. Only miss the sun when you start to snow. No. Only know you love her when you let her go. go. Woo. Only know even high when you feel it low. No. Only have to roll when you're missing home. Oh. Miss oh. Only know you love her when you let her go. Oh. Oh. Come on, come on, come on. Let her go. So what do you think of that? Hey, can see. How no, but how do you find out? What's that microphone? How do you find out that you can sing into a watering can? How? I think when a... does that become a thing where suddenly you go, hang on? We, uh, do you reckon he was at a concert once, like uh, I don't know, uh, a Led Zeppelin concert? <laughs> this shows my age. Let's think. Coldplay. He's at a Coldplay concert. Do you think Chris Martin, the whole sound system broke out and he pulled out a, a watering can and held by a man on a bench in his boxer shorts. <laughs> That's exactly how Chris Martin has probably done it in the past. <laughs> well, listen, Josh, I've got a surprise for you. He's not the only one with Here skills. Look at this. Are you ready? Go for it, dude. You to me are everything. The sweetest song that I can sing. Oh, Joshy. That's beautiful. Oh, Joshy. Now, listen, I'm going to need some backup. Check under your desk, Josh. Check under your desk. Oh. <laughs> Show the camera, <laughs> show the camera what you'll be singing into and where the noise will be coming out of. What? Why is my so small? Listen, you don't, you, you don't go straight onto one of these bad boys, Josh. You don't go onto one of these bad boys straight away. So all together. You to me are everything, the sweetest song that I can sing. Oh, Josie. Oh, Josie. Uh, it sounded good, didn't it? I think, like, if this Octagon hype thing doesn't take off, we could... Uh... Oh, Britain's got talent. Brace yourself. <laughs> Brace yourself. Listen, this show gets weirder. 
this show gets. How do we end up in these situations? Hey? Well, thanks everybody for watching because there's clearly not going to be an Oscar <laughs> hype as the number eight. Number eight. Well, listen, no, genuinely thank you very much for watching. Uh, we will be back in two weeks' time with yet another episode for you to enjoy. As always, share it on social media. Subscribe to the channel. I've been Brian Lacey. That was my baby Joshy <laughs> singing us out let's go you to me are everything the sweetest song that I can sing oh, oh baby. Joshy oh it's what <laughs> oh Joshy <laughs>